I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're talking about how to write effectively in a business setting. I know we all can probably use a little help with writing a little bit better. So here with me is our Let's Training and Development Manager, Marissa Gift. Marissa, it's good to have you back on. How have you been? I've been good. You know, Jack, I was looking at the last time we did one of these, and it was March 5th of 2020. So about one week later is when I know I went home and started working remotely. So a lot has changed since we last talked about mentoring. That yeah. was our topic last time. Yes. But it's right. been good. It's been like everyone kind of a, a busy year in the training world of having to adapt and really learn how to do virtual training and get our programs adapted as much right. as possible. But so it's been how- a good learning experience. Yes, I was going to say, so how have you had to adapt? Obviously, you mentioned, you know, more virtual trainings and things like that. But have you seen a fall off in people's development or their focus on it? Because at least for me personally, I know that just kind of adopting new ways of doing things, some of my personal development, you know, really fell by the wayside. Sure. You know, we worked really hard at LUTs, at least, to keep our programs going. We figured Mm -hmm. even if you have to take them virtual, Obviously, there's benefits to that and there's not benefits, but the way we saw it, it was more important than ever to get people at least in a shared space and connecting Mm -hmm. when they weren't together physically in the office anymore. So we did make sure all of our leadership programs went on and Mm -hmm. some of them were virtual. Some of them were in bigger venues when we were still able to do that. So just kind of month to month, we were figuring that out. I don't think we saw a lot of drop-off. We still did a lot of training around here. It just had to be different. Sure. Obviously, people didn't travel to conferences anymore, so I don't know if they had as much fun, (laughs) but we definitely were still getting educated and still learning. Well, and I think that being able to go from knowing each other in person and knowing each other, you know, our energy when we're all together and then having to go virtual, at least I still feel like I'm talking to you in person somewhat right now. So I feel like we kind of, you know, we're able to cheat a little bit by having prior experiences with each other. But I think about people that started a new job during the pandemic and are trying to get to know people virtually. I struggle with that, certainly. So I'm just wondering, I mean, have you seen, you know, because I I know we've hired people and I know people have started here at Lutz throughout the pandemic. Has it been something you've seen that's been a struggle? Well, you know, we've been really lucky at Lutz for the most part. We've been able to start people in person because we do have that extra space in the office and we prioritized those new people being able to be in the office versus working remotely. And that was for that very reason, Jack, because so much of when you start a new position is that relationship piece. And that is obviously when you're going to have the most questions too. And as we both know, it's a lot easier to do that in person. Mm -hmm. So we tried to make that a priority here at Lutz. And I I think we did a pretty good job, but I know that's not the case at all organizations. A lot of people have had to have orientation and onboarding remotely. And we've done a little bit of that. What I've heard though, I think is that for the most part, people are just 
thankful to have a job right now. Yeah, so sure. if that's what it takes and that's what it takes. No, that's a great point. Well, and I know that, you know, with working from home and being virtual, a lot of our communication has had to go either virtually through a Zoom or via email and, you know, in other forms of business writing, which is our topic today. So we should probably get into that. I know we can talk about other things all day long, but in your mind, what is business writing and how does it differ from our normal communication back and forth day to day? Sure. Business writing is obviously writing that happens in a professional setting. So if you're thinking of the common types of business writing, email comes to mind, as does memos, reports, proposals, for example, client proposals, if you're trying to get new work. So those are some of the common types. How does it differ? I think part of the problem is it doesn't differ enough sometimes these days, and we can definitely talk about that. The lines get blurred sometimes between how we communicate every day with our friends and our family and how we probably should be communicating written wise anyway in our business setting. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, at least for me, and we'll probably get into this further on, but uh, you know, when you get more and more comfortable with your clients or, uh, you know, even internal clients, right. Not only external clients with customers of LUTs, but my internal clients, the more comfortable I get with them, the more those lines get blurred. And so it's important to keep in mind, I think your intent of what your message is and how serious you are about it to then kind of tailor the way you're communicating. So I guess on that vein, why is, you know, writing or communicating, you know, written different, or why is it more important or how is it an important thing for us to communicate? Sure. Well, you bring up a good point already, which is a relationship or your audience is key. So I think sometimes when we do have a really strong relationship with a client or a coworker, our communication might get a little less formal depending on what they prefer. And that's okay. I think that's, you know, very important is just to keep in mind with any type of communication, what are the preferences of your audience or your reader in this case? A couple of things that come to mind. So email is huge in the workforce and I can give you some numbers on that. I mean, it's kind of staggering how many emails we get. I think I've read that it's like 121 emails a day is on average what a person receives. And on average, we're sending about 40. So right there, that tells me, you know, let's do each other a favor and do a good job with our email, right? Right. That we can at least be reading well-written, maybe concise would be nice, (laughs) emails. Um, So that's one thing that comes, right? Yes. And so that's one thing that comes to mind is whether we like it or not, email is huge. So we should really be doing our part in, in trying to do a good job with it. But also, I think a time when, especially in the business world, where a writing component is important is whenever you need a good record of something or a paper trail. It's funny. I was actually, Jack, I I did my homework on you. So, uh, (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) no, I was listening to the podcast that you did with Jen a while back, Jen Waldy, our development coach on communication, which was really well done. But at one point, I'm going to quote Jack here. Are you ready? Yeah. Jack said, Pick up the damn phone. <laughs> I did say that. Which, yes, which I, I totally agree with in some circumstances. Absolutely right. true. If you're in like a heated debate, especially email is probably not the way to go. But there are times when we want to know and have a record that we said something to someone. And that's right. when writing can be really important too. And so maybe it's a time where you might need to combine the two, right? Maybe have that conversation on the phone, but then follow up with an email. 
summarizing what you said, for example, or vice versa. Maybe you need to follow up with a phone call to make sure your message was received the way you intended. So that's another time I think writing is important. To your point about paper trail, I think that's a huge, huge reason why it's important because I've, I mean, we've all been burnt in situations where we say, I know I sent this and I know I said this or on the phone, I I swear I sent this. I, I, you know, I know I did, but unless you have a paper trail, it doesn't really, it's, it's moot. I mean, you cannot base that off of a, a conversation. So to, you know, to me saying, well, pick up the phone and just call someone to try and get that across. Well, maybe not if it's a very detailed, important message that needs to be sent or a follow-up to someone, to your point, send an email, then pick up the phone and make sure the message was received. My younger brother, he's learned the paper trail lesson very quickly and seriously this last year with all of the moving from home and switching, going back home from college. And, you know, there's a lot of instances where there was communication back and forth between him and the university regarding living arrangements. And they, they had dorms set up so they could be used as storage units. I mean, all kinds of things that I know me as a 19 year old would have for sure screwed up. And so we were sitting there in in December, November, and, you know, he was sitting there saying, I know I had a conversation with the person at the front desk. They said that I was fine and good to go. And my dad's sitting there. He's like, well, you know, fine and good to go doesn't pay this bill. So figure it out. So to your point, I mean, it's, it's important. And I like that idea, send an email with the information you want to be transmitted and then follow up with a a phone call. Absolutely. I think that's a good strategy. Right. So I guess what are some best practices? Do you have any examples of how you can write effectively in a business setting, in a professional setting? Sure. So I think the first point I would say when it comes to a business writing, and this might be an email, this might be a memo, whatever it might be, is you want to start with the punchline, right? And I think that's different than what we learned in our high school English classes, where sometimes we were taught to really, you know, build up the suspense and and then do your moral of the story or whatever you want to call it. But in business, as we know, time is money and people want to know the punchline early on. And I think that's what you can do in business writing is maybe it's starting with a a brief summary. If you have a lot of detail you want to provide, which you might want to pare that down too, but at least provide a quick punchline at the beginning so people know where you're going. And you just have to choose your words wisely, right? So I am a big fan of, as we said here, we highlighted early on, of brevity and of trying to be as concise as possible so that you don't lose people's interest. I mean, we are living in the time of Twitter and TikTok, right? (laughs) Which have very short limits on how much time you can spend on those platforms. And that's what people are used to. And so you really need to keep that in mind with your business writing as far as length goes, Mm -hmm. is keeping it short enough that you can hold their attention, but get your point across. I was just going to say, I think being concise and and having brevity is is extremely important. And that's something that I you know, I like to talk and I like to fill empty space. And so I've had to really focus on that. And I think one way that you can be concise and direct, I think is another thing There's a Harvard business review article that I was reading about this topic. And it's, you know, the things they mentioned is be direct, be concise, cut the fat, but you can also use some visual cues to help drive the, the clean, important information in your email too. And I know that's something that I've also had to get better at, right. Which is utilizing, underline or bullets or lists, things like that, 
right? Yes. I love bullet points. I think those are huge because it's an easy way to make things concise and clean. And that's brings us to the point of just trying to chunk your information as much as you can, you know, like into little, I don't know, subtitles or headings, whatever you want to call it, just to make it easier on the brain (laughs) to kind of see those different distinctions that you're making. Yeah. Bullet points are our friend when it comes to writing for sure. I agree. Do you think that there's ever a time where using bullet points are looked at as unprofessional? I mean, I can't think of of that time, but maybe like a memo or, you know, like a a cover letter. I don't know. No, I I don't think I've seen that yet. I know having been in recruiting for many years too, we were fans of bullet points there too, because again, it's just easier on the eye. I think, you know, it breaks it up and makes it easier to digest. So I don't think that's I haven't found a time yet where I would find that unprofessional. Now, if you have, you know, five pages of bullet points, that might wear people out, right? Or bullet points that don't relate to each other or... Sure, they're unorganized. Going back to your point about, you know, just being concise and, and answering the question very quickly, I know that I see this all the time, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this too, but if you are asked a question by a client or, or a coworker or someone, if they ask you a question, let's say, will this work? And I see a lot of times people like to explain why it will or why it won't first. But I found mm-hmm. that it's really beneficial to say, yes, now let me tell you why, just so that they right. can kind of, they can already change their tone of receiving the rest of that information. Because if they read yes. no, then I don't care. Or yes, right. and I don't care, right? Or Absolutely. I want to learn more about it. So. Yes, exactly. It's getting to that punchline right away. And then you're exactly right. You can provide more detail, but that way they can decide whether or not they want to spend their time reading the detail. That's a really good point. What are some pitfalls or traps that people fall into or or common mistakes that people make when, when trying to draft business letters or writing? Sure. One is, I think sometimes people try to be a little fancy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I've heard this expression, you know, right to express, not impress. I think sometimes, especially maybe when we're earlier on in our careers and we're trying to prove ourselves, we think that big words are impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Or a lot of words are impressive. And I think the opposite can be true. So trying to use, you know, a big word when a small word will do is probably not a good way to go. So thinking through your word choice, one sticks out in particular, this has been burned into my head. So last time we met, we talked about mentoring Jack. And I told the story of my college advisor at Drake, Professor Lewis, who was huge to me. So one thing I remember, he was also one of my professors. And I remember him on one of my papers, I had used the word utilize, you know, not too crazy of a word, but I remember him crossing it out and putting use and some comment about how utilize is a pointless word. You just mean use. Why are you saying utilize? So, I mean, that has been burned into my head. But there are so many other words like that. And so I think one pitfall people have, too, is that they don't slow down and proof what they're writing, mm-hmm. especially in an email, right? Because it seems, we do so many of them a day, right. 40 on average. You want to hit set? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's so important, especially... You know, if it's just to your friend, okay. But chances are you're texting your friend anyway. But if it's in a business setting, you should really take another look at that email. And if it's important enough, you should have another set of eyes look at that email. Because our brain plays tricks on us. And it, it reads what 
it thinks we want to say. Like, right. I've seen this. I can give you an example in my own life. My son is 11. And during this pandemic, every week we've been writing my grandparents. They're, you know, 90 years old, can't get out. So I've had both of my kids, 11 and 8, write them a letter every week. And it's so interesting because my son is total just fast kid. He's a speed demon, right? He likes to do things fast, fast, fast. And so he'll write his note. And then I'll say, okay, did you reread it? And he's like, yeah, I did, mom. And then I will read it out loud to him. And there are numerous instances where he has skipped over words. But when he reads it, he doesn't skip over them because it's like his brain fills in those gaps. And I think that's so common. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen like those brain teasers or mind quizzes, but there's those ones that where you can, there's like a paragraph that you can read and all of the words are technically spelled wrong except for the beginning, the first letter and the last letter and your mind fills in the rest and you can fly through it. And so if you're just, you know, vomiting your thoughts out onto an email (laughs) without reading it back to you, chances are there's going to be a few of those words that are filled, right? Absolutely. That's a great example of that. Yes. Our brain can do wacky things for sure. Right. Well, and there's also a saying, why use many words when few will do, right? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And the other thing too is, you know, just making sure you're using simple words and avoiding jargon if you can, you know, and again, you have to read your audience. If you're talking to someone who's in the same industry as you, jargon's probably okay. But if you're talking to a client, like at Lutz, you know, we pride ourselves on simplifying the complex, you're going to want to minimize your jargon. And I don't know if you're familiar with, I'm sure you are, Jack, like corporate speak, Mm -hmm. right? Like words that are just corporate-y. And there's a whole, there's books out there now (laughs) that can help try to eliminate what they, what I've heard referred to as BS, which is business speak, right? Those common terms like synergy and whatever it might be reinvent the wheel there's so many of them the stuff that makes you cringe when you hear someone say it yes when you hear it say but then they actually took the time to write it out that way also (laughs) no so i think eliminating those types of phrases can really benefit you as well well that's funny bringing that up this article there's a whole paragraph that says avoid jargon in ten dollar words it says business Mm -hmm. writing is full of industry specific buzzwords and acronyms then down here goes on to say Jargon doesn't add any value, but clarity and conciseness never go out of style. You know, create a buzzword blacklist. Avoid terms like actionable, core competency, impactful, incentivize. Right. I mean, it's it, those are yeah. There's they sound yeah. great, make you they, all they do is make you feel good about yourself. They don't help your right. message at all. <laughs> right. right, and I mean, what do they really mean? Sometimes when you think about it, like another one is leverage. We, we yeah. hear that word all the time. It's like. Do we really oh. even know what that means? And if anyone, if so. anyone I know is list, if anyone I know personally is listening to this podcast, they're going to be like, Moylan, you need to take this advice very <laughs> to heart because I am the king of throwing out some nice sounding corporate word. And they're like, right, I don't right. know why you needed to use that. Well, and I'm not, by no means am I perfect in this either. I remember when I started at Lutz, Jack, I remember Sean Wiederquist like sitting me down and like, you cannot talk corporate here, right? <laughs> but then he would tell me things like I always had used the expression, okay, I'll touch base next week, yeah. right? And he, I remember he almost, you know, he might as well have slapped me on my wrist for using touch base. So yeah. <laughs> again, it depends on your audience, but that's one right. that 
try to eliminate just because I know some people don't like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not my fault if I'm a corporate shill, right? I just right? have to. <laughs> no. Well, okay. So on the topic of development and training, what are some ways that we can work on our business writing? And do you have any tips or practices people can, can work on to improve? Sure. Well, I think there are a lot of articles and books out there as you've found one yourself that can give you those tips. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes I think we just don't even think twice about it, right? right? Old habits die hard. So I think just doing a little bit of homework is good. Now, one thing that I know a lot of people might say here would be something like Grammarly, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that site. Sure. And I think it's worth a shot for people, but that's only going to correct the symptoms, so to speak. It's not going to solve the problem, right? right? And I know I just am a firm believer in learning and bettering your writing skills if you can, mm-hmm. whereas Grammarly is probably going to fix the problem for you. Right. I know that, for example, I just think people are going to have to work harder at this, Jack, because we do have all of those resources nowadays. Right. And I watch my kids, you know, now they're exclusively doing things on iPads for school. And, you know, when they're writing on the iPads, it pops in the words for them. Like they put in a few letters and then they can pick up above. I don't know if that's autocorrect. I don't know what you call that feature, but it just makes me wonder how people are really going to learn to write or spell in the future. Um, But what I would say is, you know, Grammarly can be a good tool, but I would really encourage people to, you know, try to learn on their own. And I know this is going to sound old fashioned and cliche, but the best way to learn to write is to read. And that is, you know, so if you have time to read, it doesn't have to be boring. I mean, even just reading fiction, but that's where you learn vocabulary. That's where you learn, you know, sentence structure, whatever it might be. I do still think, and I know there's a Stephen Stephen King quote out there about how, you know, to learn to write, you just have to write and you have to read. So, and the other good news is that it is something that can be learned. You know, there are some things that really rely on talent, like I'm never going to be a professional athlete, right? Because I just don't have that skill or that gift. But with writing, and I'm not saying that everyone's going to be, you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. There are certain people that also, I think, have a gift for writing. But it is definitely something that can be learned and improved. And I know there's all sorts of like online courses and things out there now, too, that can help you with that. And that would, you know, kind of walk you through the things we're talking about. Like, what words should I eliminate? Some of those tips and tricks can really take you a long way as far as improving your writing. Well, and that's a fantastic point, though, is just thinking back to, in order to improve my writing, I need to read more because I can think of a couple of passages where it just kind of has a poetic quality to it, where it flows and, you know, the sentence structure is in such a way that you know, there's short sentences together and then a long sentence and breaks it up with a short sentence. And you right. don't, and this brings up a question of mine. So I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about reading versus listening to audiobooks. We're going to go off a little tangent here, but he made the comment. He said, well, isn't it just the same if I'm, you know, I can say that I read this book if I listen to it on audiobook, right? And, you know, I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, you're still getting the content and sure. someone, you know, one of my buddies was like, no, of course not. Do not say that. You didn't read that book. But then another friend was like, quit being that way. You, you, you did read that book. But you're not going to get that same benefit of improving your writing by listening to a book as you would if you were reading it. So that's an interesting, I need to make sure I, I tell him that, that his writing is going to still suck because he only <laughs> listens to books. <laughs> I love but it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, 
I can think about, you know, I know like Scott Kroger, I think he's, a, he's very good at writing and he sends emails that you get done reading it. You're like, okay, that was nice. I kind of enjoyed reading that email and it was reprimanding me, right? <laughs> but it was, it, it just kind of has a nice flow to it. So that's a, that's a really good Well, point. and Scott Kroger, he reads all the time too, right, right. Jack? He's always yep. talking about books that he's read. So my yep. guess is there, yeah, there's probably a tie there. Um, he's a great example of that. Well, and going back to what you had mentioned a little bit earlier, I think I was certainly one of those people in school where I got done with the test and turned it in. I never looked back through questions. I never looked back through my answers that I put on a test. And it's, you know, not suited me very well now because now it takes a lot more effort for me to stop and reread an email or a message or a document before I hit send or before I turn it in. But I think that's a really, really important way that you can go back through and, and, and you'll notice if you have a lot of really long sentences, it'll feel like it was just a struggle and kind of a pain to read. And so right. I think on top of that, you know, making sure you're proofreading your things, read it back out to you. And if it doesn't sound right, just restructure it, take the extra time, which none of us, like we said, want to do. Yeah. Yes, so. for sure. And, you know, another kind of tip for efficiency that I need to get better at is if let's say you do have a really well-written email that you've worked really hard on there's sometimes where you might need to use that same type of verbiage again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, instead of having to sort through and comb through all your sent emails, you can either, I, there's a way in Microsoft Word to save it as a template so you could easily pull it up again. Sure. Or also sometimes, you know how you have your signature at the bottom of an email that you can pop in? You yep. can even use the signature feature for different emails, call them, you know, email to a client about proposal or something right and then you can just drop it in so I think that's something like I said I need to be better about that but when we do take the time to really put together a well-written message go ahead and capitalize on it and make it easy for you to use it again that's a great point I'm thinking of probably a couple handfuls of emails right now that I just right? I always go back to my sent mail and hope I can find but it's to the point now where I've been here and, and now I've got so many me- emails so seriously, I feel your pain. <laughs> well, great. Well, do you have anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? I mean, I really appreciate your input today. Yes. No, I think it's just, it's worth it. You know, the other thing about writing is being a good writer affects all areas of our communication. Because if you think about if you're going to lead a meeting or have to do a presentation, you have to have some, hopefully, some organization and some structure to it ahead of time. Hopefully, you've thought through your words, and it all starts with writing. So, if you're working to improve your writing skills, obviously, it's going to give you better emails, but it's also going to impact those other areas of communication that are so essential as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me again for 30 minutes. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, have a good one. Yep, good talking to you. We'll see you. Thanks, Jack. Bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.